0: Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to episode number seven. This is a great, great episode, and it's going to really empower what we did and what we heard and what we considered in uh, episode number six. And uh, it's worth looking back at episode six just for a minute and think about what dynamics we learned about in episode six we had dynamic number seven, redefine the mission field, where we realize that it's the uh, social network of other people that are in our social network. And each of us has our own personal mission field that takes the focus away from the building and programs and all that stuff and and really helps us to understand that we are the missionaries. And then uh, dynamic number eight that we looked at in episode number six, where we looked at this great issue of the uh, concept of reversing the direction that it's not about y'all come, but it's that word in the Great Commission to go. And so the whole idea is not to bring people to church, but to take church to people, at least at the beginning of the process. And then we have our social network, so we're not talking to strangers. And so that's a great setup for Episode number seven, here where we're going to begin by talking about dynamic number nine building a culture of witnessing. Now, there are a lot of folks that uh, hear about evangelism and they get a little sweaty in the palms and a little nervous, their heartbeat just races a little bit. In fact, someone has said the best way to get everybody in the worship service to look at their feet at the same time is to announce that you're going to preach about how everyone should be involved in evangelism. That'll raise your blood pressure. I know it raised mine before I knew about spiritual gifts, but the truth is not everybody has the gift of evangelism. And that's why I really liked the, the whole thing about spiritual gifts. When we do a workshop on spiritual gifts at a church and people go through the discovery survey and, and they learn about their dominant and subordinate gifts, when they go through the book, that will follow up from that exposure to spiritual gifts with the surveys, where they learn about God's plan for your life. That's how you know God's plan for your life as a Christian. When you find out your gifts, your dominant and subordinate gifts, you know where to focus your life. And so, yeah, there are some people that have the gift of evangelists. I don't, and it doesn't bother me to tell people that. Because I know what my gifts are. And hey, I don't decide what my gifts are. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. All I do is figure out what they are. And I'm glad to know what my gifts are. And that's where I'm going to focus my life. Now, if some unchurched person who knows nothing about God sits next to me on a plane and I got my work in front of me is what I'm going to do. But that person says, Oh, I noticed you got a bunch of stuff about God there that you're working on. I don't know about God, but I got a thing going on in my life, and could you tell me about what it means to be a follower of God? Am I going to share with that person? Absolutely. They just opened a door a truck could drive through. And while I don't have the gift, man. I can get that done, and so should every Christian. But do I have the gift of evangelists? No. Do some people in every church? Of course. The body of Christ, the Holy Spirit's in charge. They're going to make sure some people have that gift. All right. They discover that gift. Great. They're going to hone that gift. And how do they use that gift? Well, the truth is, if you have the gift of evangelists, You should spend most of your time, besides worship, Bible study, maybe some other things at church, but most of your time ought to be not in the church, because the church is made up of people that are Christians. You should spend most of your time among the unchurched. Now, how many people in a church would have the gift of evangelists? Certainly not the majority. Research shows that it's different in every church, but somewhere, perhaps, around maybe 10%, one out of 10, one out of 10 people have the gift of evangelists. If you don't have the gift of evangelists, don't knock on doors and talk to strangers. Don't hang out among unchurched people that you haven't developed a relationship with because that's not your gift. And don't feel guilty about it if it's not your gift. Don't try to play Holy Spirit and say, well, I don't have the gift of an evangelist, but I'm going to pretend I do, or I'm going to work at it, or I'm going to get in a program of being an evangelist to people that are not Christians. It's not your gift. When you discover your gifts, first of all, celebrate, thank God, and focus your life on where your gifts are. Why would you try to second-guess God the Holy Spirit? you shouldn't do that. That would be a wrong thing to do. Jesus never told everyone they should evangelize. There are some people that have that gift, and that's what they do. Jesus did tell everyone to use whatever gifts they have to make disciples, but that takes a lot of gifts and a lot of people and not the gift of evangelists only. Those people that have the gift of evangelists have a supernatural ability that they're kind of like a spiritual obstetrician. These are the baby doctors. They deliver babies. Sometimes they're midwives. They're, you know, sometimes other specialists. But whatever you call it, they are people that know when the birth is going to happen. I can remember when my wife gave birth, I was there. I was more beside myself than she was, but I tried to help. I don't know how much help I was. But these people that you work with that are professionals who work in the delivery room, they can watch my wife, and they know when the birth is going to happen. They are skilled in the birth of a baby. So they'll just say, relax, it's going to be a while yet. They'll check on my wife, and then they come back and say, yeah, still going to be a while yet. I'm going to say, you know, it's been quite a few hours. Yeah, not ready yet. Not yet. The delivery doctor isn't even there yet. They haven't even got this person out of bed or whatever. And so it takes someone who's skilled in that. Well, in the spiritual realm, these people with that gift of evangelists they have a special gift. A supernatural gift in this case to know when a person is about to be reborn spiritually and become a christian so it's not so much like okay i've learned an outline and i can manipulate a person to become a christian that's not what happens a person becomes a christian it's the work of the holy spirit so the person that has a gift of evangelist knows when a person is ready and knows how to be a delivery person where the Holy Spirit will work with them. And that's their gift, the gift of evangelists. But Jesus never said to everybody they should do evangelism because that's just one of many gifts. If that's your gift, great. If it's not, you're like the majority of us and you have some other gifts. But to those of us who have other gifts than evangelists, to all the rest of us, he says, and this is for everybody, Anybody who claims to be a Christian, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Not evangelists. Those are a special gift. But you'll be my witnesses. And that's for all of us. The Holy Spirit has come upon us. Pentecost has taken place. So the when that Jesus was talking about has already occurred. And he says you, he means everybody who's a Christian. So if you have Christ in your life, you may not be called to be an evangelist. You may not have the gift, but Jesus calls you to be a witness to him. All right, let's think about that. What is a witness? A witness is a person that has the experience to say, been there, done that. Or I was there, I saw it. You know what a witness is in a courtroom. Yes, I'm a witness. You get up on the stand because, yep, I was there, I saw it. It happened to me. I experienced it. Whatever happened, I'm part of the scenario, and I can share that as an eyewitness. I was there, I saw it. It happened. So, how does that? work in a church. Oh, it works really well, and it's not a program. What you want to do is help everybody in your church who are Christians. That's why they're there in your church. They're Christians. You want to help them share their stories, God's stories. You want to start that movement in the church? Let me tell you what happened in my church. When I learned this dynamic, dynamic number nine, that as a pastor, one of my jobs was to build a culture of witnessing. When I learned that, I had some options. I could go buy a program that in X number of weeks would put a few people through to be witnesses And I could announce in church that on next Tuesday night, we're going to have this program going to last X number of weeks, and we're going to learn how to be witnesses. We might go out and make calls on people and try to be witnesses. I could make it a program, but my Jesus didn't do that, and I'm sorry It didn't come in a box and it doesn't work that way. So, what did I do? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. But I wanted to do it the way Jesus does stuff. The way Jesus did with his disciples. I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot and follow not only the idea that Jesus gave us in witnessing. But I'm going to follow his procedure and the way he worked with his disciples. So I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. I'd just worry people if I said, we're going to have this big deal about witnessing. So I thought about it and prayed about it. And I came to a conclusion that's really a no-brainer this is not rocket science. I know that when you mention to people, we're going to teach you how to be witnesses. Half of them get sick to their stomach, and the rest of them have diarrhea. I don't mean to be so graphic, so crass, but it's true. Because earlier in my ministry in another church, when I was a neophyte and didn't, hadn't learned all this, I did have a witnessing program. And I didn't admit it to anybody, but I'll admit it to you. Every Monday night when we went out on calls, before I went to the church, I had diarrhea. Yep, the church doctor with diarrhea. And I'm sorry about being so graphic, but the truth is, let's face the facts. And what it conjures up in people's minds is knocking on doors, talking to strangers, and interrupting their dinner which is really a bad idea. So I prayed about it, thought about it, and I decided that I wouldn't use the word witness, which honestly I think is a really good idea. So I changed the word witness, not the meaning of it, but the words, and I thought about the word God's story. So when we work with churches, we talk about sharing your God stories. And that keeps everybody kind of healthy in the digestive area. I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do because I didn't want to make it a program. So here's what I did. I kind of thought about how Jesus did this stuff with his disciples. If he'd have made a program out of it, they might have cut and run. You might end up with five disciples instead of 12. But he just took people into the experience. And I thought, well, since he was Jesus, that's not a bad idea. How could it be? So here's how I did it. I thought about the platform. Where was I going to do this? How was I going to start? And I thought, well, these people asked me to lead a Bible study every Sunday, which is not unusual a lot of pastors do that they might have different bible studies on Sunday morning but the pastor leads one of them and I like doing that I have the gift of teaching so I enjoyed that so as our church grew we got to the point where we had two worship services and like a lot of churches between those worship services we had a bible class and we had coffee and donuts and tables and chairs set up in a room and oh at that time we probably had maybe it was a small church we had maybe 40 50 people in my bible class on a regular basis and the way we did bible class was pretty typical nothing really out there just kind of normal for churches I'd come to bible class and it started between the worship services there was a little fellowship before a little bit fellowship before after so my routine on sunday morning was do morning church preach do the whole thing then get some coffee have a little fellowship start bible class go through that for an hour then there was a 15 minute fellowship time then start the second worship service kind of my Sunday morning very common very typical I didn't tell you know what I'd do is I'd come to Bible class I did what a lot of pastors do a lot of people lead Bible class I said okay before we pray to start Bible class anybody have any prayer requests so people would give prayer requests I'd write them down I'm the pastor, so I thought maybe I ought to lead the prayer. Nowadays, I'd have somebody with the gift of intercession do that because I don't have that gift. So they love to pray. But that's what I did back then. But I decided, you know, it's time. We're going to build a witnessing culture. So I can't. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife. I just talked to God, decided this is what I'm going to do. Came to Bible class got my coffee. It was time to start. For the first time ever, I said, hey, before we take prayer requests and pray, I just want to ask if anybody here today would like to share what God's been doing in your life since last Sunday when we were here together. Guess what happened? Nothing. Did I push it? No. Did I tell people what I was doing? no did i get discouraged not a bit that's exactly what i expected why because i studied jesus enough to know what it's like to be a movement person okay so what are the prayer requests we'll get started prayed taught bible class sunday number two same routine Before we take prayer requests, anybody want to share what God's done in your life in the last seven days since we were all together here? Nothing. Okay. Went ahead with a routine. Sunday number three. This is what movement people do. They take their time. Wait on the Lord. Don't give up. Before we take prayer requests, anybody want to share what God's done in your life? Nothing. All right. What are your prayer requests? Week number four. Before we take prayer requests, anybody want to share what God's doing in your life? and I'll never forget this. This is like a video recording in my mind. And this has been... wow, maybe a couple decades, maybe more. But I remember it. I can as I share this, I, I can picture every bit of what was going on. Little old lady. Three rows back, three seats over from the center aisle, little old lady, quiet lady, doesn't talk much in Bible class, raised her hand, kind of sheepishly, like I half want to do this, but half I'm a little afraid, that kind of look. I remember it exactly, got it in my mind right now, and she shared something. Was it eloquent? Oh far from eloquent. Was it a God moment? Oh man, like the Holy Spirit filled the room. It was the beginning of a major, major chapter of history in this church that was over 100 years old. It was a breakthrough moment. Nobody thought so, but it happened. Yeah, what she shared, I don't even remember. It was worthwhile and it was cool. But it was a momentous moment in the history of that church. Because wait till I tell you what happened. Next week, week number five. Anybody want to share what God's done in your life since we met here last week, seven days ago? Nothing. What does a movement person do with that? Nothing. You understand movements. You understand how God moves slowly. You change culture slowly. Next week, two people raised their hand. Fast forward six months, I had to cut it off at 15 minutes or we weren't going to have enough time for Bible class. Yeah. What happened over time, maybe two years, is I started asking that at our church council, our ladies group, our men's group, the youth group, and it became part of the culture of our church. But what happened also is without saying a word to anybody, people started sharing it with people in their social networks. The people they were praying for that weren't Christians. When their friends, relatives, neighbors, people where they work or go to school mentioned something that was a challenge and they had something in their life, maybe 15 years ago, maybe two years ago, maybe way back in time, that was a God story, they shared it. And nobody ever told them to. And they started sharing it with unchurched people. And our church quadrupled in size over the next several years. That's called a movement. And that, my friend, is dynamic number nine. Build a culture of witnessing. Dynamic number 10. This is a little shorter than that one, but it's just as powerful. Communicate in the heart language of those you're trying to reach. There are two words that are in mission teaching. One is syncretism. That's when you sync up with the society and water down the truth in order to reach lost people. And you accept things that are against biblical truth, but are socially acceptable among unchurched people. And that is spiritual suicide. you kill your church. You might not like to hear that, but it's true. You leave the word of God, even though it's an offense to people, and you might as well close up shop. On the other end, there's another word called incarnation. Jesus becoming flesh was the incarnation, and it has a word in mission circles called indigenous, and that's a good thing. It means you don't change the meaning of Christianity one bit, but you change the delivery system to match the people you're trying to reach, and that includes a lot of stuff. You never change biblical content, but you change the packaging. And that includes styles, dress codes, music, words you use, the kind of English you use, and so on and so forth. And the language that people use that is indigenous is the language they dream in. So if you've got a Hispanic family in your church where the parents dream in Spanish, but when you ask the kids, they dream in English, very common. That means if you're going to have a worship service for that family, you're going to have it in both Spanish and English. So you're going to have somebody speaking in Spanish with an interpreter into English. That's an extreme, extreme example, but that'll help you come to grips with it. Yeah, Jesus became one of us, but he didn't change the content, but he changed the delivery system. He didn't come looking like someone from heaven, whatever that looks like. He didn't have this glow or whatever. Yeah, until he gave his message and did what he did, his miracles, he just looked like everybody else. That's the whole point. If you want to reach people, look like everybody else. If you want to hang on to a hymnal that's out of date, that's fine, but you won't reach on church people. If you want to dress in garb from the 16th century, knock your lights out. But you will be evangelistically, to a great extent, impotent. That's just the way it is and you are betraying the incarnation you must communicate in the heart language of those you're reaching that just doesn't include what you say it includes how you dress it includes how you operate it includes the way you build a building and you could be in some great cathedral somewhere and you can do great ministry but you must confess that your building is part of the challenge it will inhibit you is it cool looking yeah i love cathedrals I visit cathedrals and I know most of them are tourist attractions all over Europe and I love them. They say something about a day and age that no longer exists, but it says that those people really had a heart for God and that's the way they expressed it. But people don't do that today. So when people ask you your favorite Bible version, the answer ought to be the next one. Why? Because language continually changes. So if you want to be a missionary you need to change with the changing language. You have to have contemporary forms, music, styles, dress codes, facilities, even your church sign. And that means you need to change it and constantly change it. But the time people get used to it, the way culture changes, you need to change it. So dynamic number 10, communicate in the heart language of those you're trying to reach. And that's the end of episode number seven. That's some tough stuff to think about. But yeah, being a missionary is a tough thing to do. Oh, but God will give you the grace. And that's my prayer for you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.